This is Mai i Kuruwaka, Stories of Haputanga. This podcast was brought to you by Hapai Te Hauora. In this episode of Mai Kuruwaka, Glenn Waru sits down to talk to Peter Van Kempen, who is my partner. In the corridor, they talk about Peter becoming a papa for the first time this year. Um, they talk about our home birth, uh, how Peter prepared for his new role, and Māori fatherhood today, and what it means to be a Māori dad. So I hope that you enjoy. Kia ora tātou. I am Glenn Paul Waru, and uh, I'm with... Peter Van Kampen. <laughs> Peter Van Kampen. Um, we are here to have a man talk, uh, really about anything and everything to do with fatherhood. We're going to focus on uh, what we've been asked to focus on is um, pregnancy, haputanga, that period of time. But really, you can't have a conversation without talking about everything else. But before we get started, we should introduce ourselves. We don't introduce yourself, Peter, who you are and what you are. And yeah, oh, yeah. In, uh, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, father, brother, son, uh, brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Kia ora, Glenn. You're my top two, man. You're my top two. Hey. <laughs> um, pretty tough. Pretty tough gig to follow up there. But um, yeah, that's me. Kia ora. I'm reading mine. I was going to do mine. I was like, hey, I'm no one's filming, man. I can actually read mine. Ko toko toko te maunga, ko wairo te awa, ko kaipara te moana, ko mahuhu ki te rangi te waka, ko rongo mai te tangata, ko ripia te marae, Ko te ora kina te whare tupuna, ko te uri o hau te hapu, ko Nāti Whātou te iwi, ko Glenn Pōwaru taku ingoa. Kia ora! Any, um, anything stand out for you? When you knew you were going to be a father, when that time was coming, and we're getting more into, like I say, the pregnancy side of things, uh, what, what was your first impression when you were told you're going to be a dad? Uh, were you guys trying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... so um yeah first pop so yeah 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 you know you know about uh the fertile strickets <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um yeah so we decided that we'd start trying to have a um or start trying to conceive um and you thought you get a lot more practice in, and then bam it happens yeah yeah funnily enough like lizzie was pretty in tune with her um like she got sent some ovulation sticks and doing all these things yeah 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 i've seen every app yeah, yeah. and i was um I was actually sick as a dog when it happened. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I was bed, uh, yeah, I was stuck in bed with the flu, I think. And um, next thing I know, I'm being being mauled, and um, you know, she seemed quite happy with herself after. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, oh, however, however many months later, probably twelve, no, not twelve months. Um, I think like six weeks later, I had a. So we were actually living in separate cities. So Lizzie came down to Wellington. Um, oh no, sorry. I was up in Auckland. She jumped me, and then I went back to Wellington. I was down there. Uh, we'd kind of see each other every two or three weeks. 
I came back to Auckland for a work trip and um, she goes, oh, come over to, come over home. Like, I've got a little surprise for you. Um, the front door's open and I was like, oh, yeah, she must be ovulating. Like, we're, going for a, <laughs> we're going for a round two. Bow, chicka, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, going to get in there just before work. And then I came up and she goes, oh, just have a look. And she pulled out this pregnancy test and the, um, the, like the indicator was like really, really faint. So there's the faint two line. Yeah, or, yeah. And, and I was like, oh, what's that? And I was like, oh, you're ovulating. And then she's like, no, you idiot, I'm pregnant. And then just, uh, you know, taken back yeah. and just overwhelmed with emotion because it's something that we both wanted, we're ready. Um, and so I guess have that success. I mean, it took a lot of um, anxiety, I guess, because it's not like I've gone and got my sperm checked or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh. oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We've been through that, you know, that wonder. If it takes a little bit longer, then. Yeah. Um. Go, going back before that, though, when you guys were, I guess, having discussions, do you want to have a baby? Do you want to become a parent? What What was um Was it straightforward for you, or did you feel like, okay, well, I want to be in a better financial position? I want to, or do you think are you were you kind of more of whatever? Uh, we we can raise a child. We know that we have the capability to look after and protect. Yeah, I mean, like we're quite privileged in in our. So we both both have good jobs. Yeah. Um, I had a bit of debt, but managed to get that down. And I mean, I started doing that kind of from when I first met Lizzie. Um, kind of having like, you know, when we first met, I was probably twenty nine, I think. Yeah. And knowing like, I'm not here to muck around anymore. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah. Like my next relationship, I want it to be meaningful and like want it to be the one. Um, so yeah, I guess sitting. Yeah, we were set up nicely and it was a pretty easy discussion. We were both on the same page. Um, and like, funnily enough, I, I matched with her on Tinder <laughs> back when we were like 26 or 27. And I was thinking like, if we had got together back then, like none of this would be, no. none of this would have happened. We just weren't ready. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you felt like, I guess it's a growth or maturity, but yeah, you knew. You were, you, were, you were ready to be a dad? Yeah, for sure. Okay, okay. So during the pregnancy, um, how did you find, uh, not not just the pregnancy, the process, but specifically to be um, uh, a father-to-be, a Māori father-to-be, where did you see your role? I, I feel like the reason I asked this, I feel um, as a, a first-time father, the whole process, I feel like you're, so you're the support, you know, it's kind of their thing. You're the support. And even now, maybe you might find it different, but uh, when bubs are quite young and they're so dependent on breastfeeding or mum for things like that, I always felt like I was such a spectator. And I really am just the, the, the you know, the pit crew to do whatever mum needs to make her day easier. And it's not until they get a little bit older that I felt like that's my role as a father to come in now. But now we've got four kids we've got a young baby, the baby is her thing where I have to, I have to, but I want to spend time with the other children to give her the space that she needs to do that. Is that, how did you find your role through pregnancy and then as a new father? Yeah, so I skipped the first trimester. I was still living down in Wellington. Good work, well um, done. And it sounded like the pits for her, uh, I guess morning sickness and yeah. stuff um, was pretty rough. So I felt really bad for not 
um, not being here to support through that time. But uh, I guess like we put a plan in place to get me back into Auckland, um, living together. Uh, you know, I guess going through that nesting phase. Yeah. Um, got a house, all that sort of jazz. Got everything set up. Um, I mean, she had a really, really good pregnancy after the first trimester. And I'll just say that it's probably because of me. Um, you know, just taking all the worry off her shoulders. Yeah. Um, and I guess during that whole time around like decision making as well, as just like they, um, it, 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 it's like, we'll do what you want to do. Um, so we were driving up from Whangapuru all the way up to Hale to see um, an amazing midwife, Māori woman, ah, yeah, uh, yeah, Camille yeah. Harris. She's awesome. Uh, so if you are listening and are looking for a midwife and your Māori. Is she one of the ones on TV? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah my uh, wife. My Māori midwife. Yeah, my wife loves that show. Um, yeah, she was awesome. So, I mean, stuff like that, like as a, you know, an hour 20 drive each way, but that's the sacrifice you make. For the make peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. Um and I mean, that was no drama. Was I, mid, I, I find midwives, I love, I have all the respect in the world for midwives. We had a great midwife for our first and there were some complications. In Australia, it's very different. You don't get a midwife the whole way through and then they come to the birth. You get her, whatever midwife's on shift at the time you go to the hospital. And if you could be in the middle of labor and if there's a shift change, a different midwife comes in. So it's a, you know, that from a Māori perspective, there wasn't a lot of whanangatanga or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even when we ended up shifting, so... We ended up buying a whare up here in Whangaparoa. Uh, so we had to find um, another midwife. Uh, and she was awesome. Um, but I guess we had to build that uh, relationship, that rapport. Yeah. Um, you know, they're coming into our house delivering babies. So we had a home birth. Um, he was born in our, in our lounge. You need a midwife that you can trust and be open with. Yeah. Um, it helps. It helped Lizzie immensely. Like she felt really supported. Because um, it's not just before birth, it's during birth and after. Absolutely. Um, so it's that follow-up service. And I guess you don't really get that. Um, like I'd love if there was like a mouldy plunket. Yeah. I just feel like plunket's quite a part uh, Well, tamariki ora. Yeah, sorry, available here to yeah, us. Yeah, because yeah. Um, on the North Shore, like there's not many mouldy health practitioners, uh, let alone midwives or um, services. You think that's changing? Uh, I mean, the face-up here, is, it's definitely becoming a lot browner. Uh, since when I moved up, there was probably like four or five um, Māori whānau and a yeah. couple of Pacifica, but there's a lot more Māori Pacifica up here now. Yeah, I feel like the um, pepper and the salt living in Waipu. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's, you know, it's a changing changing, um, changing demographic yeah. throughout Aotearoa. You know, yeah. I think it's like 25% of the population under 40 is brown. Yeah. I might even be quite, no, sorry, 40%. With um, so uh, when Hewa was born, since he was been born, she's still very young. What have you seen your role? Yeah, uh, really being that support person. Sorry, yeah. I forgot to actually answer your question. It's, oh. Um, yeah, it really is just being a supporter. Like I can't breastfeed. Um, and is it is it like this is a weird thing to say, but you wish you you wish you could sometimes. Like you just feel like there's a connection being had there between mother and child they're like oh, it's coming i guarantee it's coming there are there's, there's things that dads do that become yours and solely yours but yeah, yeah. Right. i guess um so we we tried to keep her like exclusively breastfed but it just wasn't working yeah um it was actually really tough for lizzie i guess 
it's not too bad during the day, but when you've got like sleep deprived and yeah. then it's not just like one or two nights, you know, it's not like a weekend bender. It's like a week, two weeks of like broken, constantly broken yeah. sleep. So you're not actually getting good, good rest. So it really took a toll on her. And then one night she's like, I, I need you to go get formula. And like, I kind of pushed back about it. And it's like, oh, babe, I thought we were going to do like breastfed and this is what we wanted to be like, no, go get formula. So like, quickly whipped down to the supermarket uh, 9.55 at night ran through the door like out before it closed at 10 came home whipped up a bottle and I mean it's been a breeze ever since so giving it at like a formula dream feed at 10 o'clock at night um, that's my thing yeah okay yeah and, yeah, and, yeah. and having that like I, I it's really nice isn't that. it I really it enjoy is, that time because yeah. it's um, time that I get with here alone and it is just nice just feeling involved that's right and, and, and it means the world to your your baby too because there is a connection happening they are there's brain uh pathways developing going this person loves me and i feel loved and you know i know i'm safe with this person they're going to look after me and that's a big deal that's all you have for a child yeah so it's a nice feeling well, that moment um if, if you know so just for people listening uh lizzie is pete's partner She's the sister to my wife, Ellie. Um, I imagine there's there's this plan and then there's a lot of guilt that goes along with cutting the plan short or not moving up to deal with the plan. Our first child was born with heart, um, uh, tetralogy of fellow, and, and she was she couldn't breastfeed after the operation. And my wife, it felt like there was a big failure because of all the advertising for breastfeeding and things like that. It's such a, and you know, when you know it's the best thing to do, breast is best, but they there is definitely a time to call and say it doesn't work we've tried it it's not like you made the decision not to yeah yeah, yeah. for sure you've got to give it a good crack and, yeah. and like at what point do you um do you go the other way because it's like we've tried we've tried we've tried and then it starts taking a toll on the mother and and is that really what is in yeah. the baby's best interest did you did you um when you said there was a little bit of pushback like you kind of questioned that was, was, did you feel like that was was that easy for you to do to, to make that call or did you feel like oh here we go i'm gonna say it but i'm a bit scared too uh, yeah i mean i like to test things like yeah, yeah, yeah. just test because i like we talk about stuff and i'm like are you sure yeah and and, sure, and you're, you're a father who is involved in the planning of the raising of the child yeah you've got to you know but i mean the flip side of that also is like there's a lot of um I guess negative stim, uh, stigma around formula, mm. and I mean you just got to do like throw that shit out the window. Do what is best for you and yeah. your baby, because at the end of the day, it's not people that are looking down their noses yeah. that are raising your baby. It's you and your yeah. partner, and, and and doing your best isn't this or or it may not be for the same for everybody. There's a different path for everyone. I, I, it's funny you bring that up because I remember a specific moment um, when Ali and I had travelled back from Australia and Lizzie was pregnant. And I think it was around the New Year's, maybe, maybe not, but it was a question of having a drink. Oh. <laughs> and I and you were like, uh-uh, ain't happening. And I think I even, and this was me at the time, this is my view at the time, it was only like a year, not even a year ago, but I was like, oh, kind of too cool, you know, one drink, can't be harmed. Since then, everyone, I've just recently, like two weeks ago, did a Faz D workshop, and I'm like, no way, never. And I actually thought about that moment then, like, I think I gave you I gave you a little pushback going, come on, bro, it's her body, she's the one pregnant. And you were like, well, no, she's not, 
that's yeah 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 and i, and I get that and, um i think you got earned a lot of respect in the family that for that call oh really yeah oh, i thought i was really up there you know yeah yeah um, it, it climbed it, it climbed um standing up to a stricket oh, sure. <laughs> ain't easy especially around alcohol yeah <laughs> um i mean I, don't, I actually don't know how i feel about that anymore because you get I, and i guess i really just haven't done enough research in it so for me the default position is like nah not on like yeah it's the one thing you can do that's free just don't drink you yeah, know? yeah yeah for sure yeah like do you want to risk our baby yeah and like yeah it might only be one glass of wine and, and people say oh, you know it's a glass of alcohol it's fine i can just express the milk and dump it no drama it's not it's yeah not it's fun. incredible after doing this workshop i was like ee wow you know all that kind of a little bit's okay here and there and it's not it's really not um a lot of a lot of damage is done before people even know they're pregnant yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure um okay we've got lots of things we can talk about one of the is there anything that interests you that you wanted to discuss or that was a topic because i thought another thing obviously we're two maori fathers i i don't know if it's a term that you would use to describe yourself i can kind of consider myself an urban maori oh for sure yeah, and and um i didn't grow up speaking to the or did you no no didn't grow up speaking to either and i guess it's uh it's like that I want to do eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just how do you, and it, you kind of need to make it a priority. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I'm I'm in the same, but I work for a wonderful organisation uh, in Whangarei, uh, Natihini Health Trust. Uh, we did have Māori te reo classes there every Thursday, and that's kind of shut down at the moment. But it's a very cool, um, I guess, kaupapa they have there in Tikanga with karakia and waiata and things like that. And they've never made me feel less Māori for not being able to speak Māori or, and that's an important thing. Is this, so that's kind of like a hang up I've had growing up. Um, I, I've, uh, you know, my father wouldn't speak Māori uh, if he wanted us to be as Pākehā as possible. It was my Pākehā mother that really kind of pushed our uh, Māori side and things like that. And there's always those kind of identity things uh, about what it means to be Māori. But um, what does, if I say to you, what does it mean to be a Māori father? in the way you're going to raise your child or what does that mean to you? Honestly, bro, I think it's just um, giving our baby all the aroha that she needs, um, supporting it. And, and I've said in the past, I guess, around like, um, I really wanted to know who she is and where she was from. And um, like, while I've got that on my side, like I was lucky enough to have mum and, and we would go back to the Bay of Plenty and up north, uh, travel around. And hui hop quite a lot uh, as kids so like i'm quite grounded in that sense um whereas lizzie and her siblings like have to kind of it's a late discovery for them yeah, yeah for yeah. sure so um and uh, lizzie really pushes it yeah for sure yeah for sure so how can i support um her and he were in and having that other side um you know having both sides of of he was um yeah Lineage, well, that's a discussion I think we're having at the moment. All of us may be traveling to Matodi Bay and Wainui and, and taking all our kids to the Marae. Because my kids have never been to um, the, the Te Aupori side of of things. And they've barely been to my, like, uh, we've been living in Australia most of their lives. They've never had a function on our Marae. I've taken them there. I've taken them to where my dad's buried and things like that. But they've never actually been on the Marae, stayed on the Marae. I'm still trying to navigate that to connection with, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. How do you find it? Because I guess like the the occasions that always drag me home are generally sad ones, like um, funerals and things yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, I'm a little worried about my children. I grew up going to Tangi, so a dead body to me is is not a big deal. My kids are pretty, uh, I don't want to say naive, but earnest. Yeah, They've never seen a dead body. Mm. Uh, she's 10 now, so it's going to be a little bit of a scary thing for her. I know it is. But it's all part of it. I think you just, that's what you do. They We lead by example, do as I do. And let me know how you always did it. You just follow dad, did whatever he did. And um, I'm sure my daughter will do the same. Yeah, I mean, and it's quite ironic that we're talking about death and, and birth because I guess that's the whole process. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're born to die. Yeah. And, and I guess um, there's been a bit of a, 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 a little bit of a, a fight over where baby's um, fender was oh, going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Just, yeah, well, <laughs> and I mean, it comes back to that connection thing and the, the relationship that uh, I guess Lizzie has missed as a child is that connection. So like my thing is, well, no, no. We'll take her back home to where I'm from. And that's, I guess, where we'll end up going. And she's going, oh, you know, look, I need time to go back to home, like, to reestablish those connections. And so when she said it like that, I was like, oh, look, you know, that's that's fair. But that's cool. We'll put her up there. But that's you sitting. Yeah, that's, like that's, that's, the ground, that's like planting the seed. Get, yeah, yeah. Like, we need to get back and be more involved. To grow a connection. Hard. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's a, that's a lovely sentiment. Um... Okay, raising a daughter. Um, would you, when I, when I say the term shotgun dad, that's not you, is it? Don't even know what a shotgun dad is. Excuse my uh, my youthfulness. Uh, um, so you know, I think it's a pretty cliche thing. The whole you've got a daughter, you're gonna have a shotgun, no boyfriends, oh, no. You, uh, you know, uh, no. this protective, and, and we don't do it for our boys. But I, I, my philosophy is, and I always joke about it with. My wife, uh, I'm not joke about it. I'm quite serious about it. Um, I want my daughter to do whatever she wants to do, as long as it's on her terms and and it keeps and she's safe and not hurting anyone. I've got no problem with that. Is that's what I'm trying to instill in her is not that she has to hide away from the world and hide away from boys, but um, that she can do what she wants to do when she wants to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard have the strength. About it. Have the strength. If you've only got a little baby, but a four month old, but you're going to be thinking about that. You know, you've got. Yeah, I mean, like, I really just wanted to be happy yeah. when she's older, and um, I guess what she wants um, in a future partner, I'd hope that you know she kind of sees positive examples around her and goes. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Um, and I can get behind that. I'm not going to be like, you can't date this person. You can't yeah. do this. You can't do that. Um, like, I know there's boys out there that are good. Yeah. There's some that are questionable, and then there's some that are like, nah. But what we can impose on that is how we raise our... Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's kind of what we can control, um, or at least have a part in. Um, like, and I guess the other thing, actually, the other side of that is, you know, it takes us a while to grow up as, as boys. All right, the stuff I was doing at like 18, maybe Man. like 24, 25. Like, how if I was in, I wouldn't want Lizzie dating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever our kids ask, uh, how did you meet mum? We don't we don't tell them the truth. <laughs> we keep that story pretty PG. Um, but that's that's a part of growing up and being human. I want my kids to have those experiences, to have fun. and, and But like I say, as long as it's on their terms and they're happy. Yeah. Um, 
um, raising, obviously I've got two boys and one of the things I think about in that kind of context too is uh, not so much how I, obviously I, I want to raise my daughter in a way that, like I say, she's happy. She does what she wants to do on her own terms. My boys, I want to do the same, but I think more than anything, I think we are the generation that probably reflects more than any other generation on how we raise our boys to respect women and how to and how they treat women. And and it's not necessarily setting example that I had because I think we came up in a very different uh yeah, yeah, yeah. What was acceptable, well, even if it wasn't acceptable back then, I guess you got away with stuff that. I mean, looking back, wolf was like you know, catcalling, wolf whistling, um, butt slapping, butt slapping. Like, that yeah, was all normal it, it, it was to me as an what we got. I feel like that's what we got uh, examples from television or whatever yeah. of how you engage with a girl and how you start a conversation is by directly doing something. I'm I'm glad that I never. It was in the generation of the dick pic. Yeah, uh, um, sure. yeah, yeah. I don't need that in my life, haunting me. Go to Nokia thirty-three. Nah, million. nah. It was like eight pixels. <laughs> That's all you need to get it on there. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that that never came across. That's my worries because you know we're raising kids. When you're far, you're you're well off the the kind of conversations uh, you'll have. But like raising kids with social media, the toxic masculinity thing that you know. Uh, you know, I want my boys to, but I also want my boys to be boys. Not, and that's not saying that cliche boys will be boys because I don't buy that bullshit. Yeah. But I want my boys to have a bit of risk, uh, push some boundaries without hurting anyone. It's a hard, it's a hard thing. Like it's a very fine line to, because I still feel like there is a, a, a perspective that we still have to be manly men. We also have to ride this empathy and sensitivity and that boat as well. It's a it's a changing landscape for men and fathers. Yeah, and I mean it's okay. It's I think it's for for the better. Like, not that I'm a great communicator, but it's at least trying to articulate yeah. feelings, emotions. Well, it's hard for me. Yeah, but at least just trying to do it and and sh- like um, haven't got any boys yet, but uh, I hope that. When, when I do, I can kind of be a positive example and, and help them express themselves. Um, but I mean, ultimately, bro, I just want my, my boys to really be respectful of women. And and I think it's something that I didn't learn till I was probably 23 or 24 and I was, I was bouncing. And just the shit that I'd see. So I just started saying to them, bro, would you do that to your sister? Or how would you feel if someone did that to your sister? And you'd see their blood boil and be like, that's not cool, bro. Yeah. Cut it out. And it's Hey, even even as a bouncer, that's a it's a uh hard thing to kind of call someone on. Yeah, bro. Like we'd see it all the time. Guys tapping bums. It's Do you think like what's going through your mind at the moment where you're like, hey, if I tap this girl's bum, she'll be like so keen on me. But that's that's what you're kind of taught. Like how you 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 open the door, I guess. Yeah, not the old winky across the bar. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I was a talker. I had, I, I, I could talk, but yeah, you can talk. But I know guys, and I, how else? You know, that's all they were showing. And I think that's important as fathers that we kind of role model that respect and that you know, and and playfulness. I mean, me and my wife joke about stuff in front of the kids that it's probably inappropriate, but I think we do it in a way that they understand that it, that's we, we're making fun of that. Not it's ironic, not the example we set kind of thing yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i've got you know 
I've got, my daughter's only uh, ten and five, and I feel like if things go the way they are going, I, I would have to, I feel more sorry for the boy or girl that they date <laughs> than anything else. Oh, yeah. Hurricane Rosie. Yeah, Hurricane Rosie. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, this um, you know, there's so many places to go with a conversation with two men talking about fatherhood. Is there anything? I think feel like it's all kind of been quite. Um quite bubbly has there been any like negative experiences for you you know you said um Ami was sick when she was yep um born like how was that process and i guess because there's a lot of i guess uncertainty like i was scared to death that lizzie could one die or baby could die or they both die was this because what happened to their mother that yeah. Play in? yeah i mean there was a bit of that but then i think and you know that was honestly my biggest fear. I've had that. I had that fear for Rosie's birth. That's our second child. She, um, so Ellie, my wife, she was the exact same age that Ellie and Lizzie's mother was when she passed after giving birth to Lizzie. And I had that little paranoia, like there was going to be some sort of uh, universal, um, you know, symmetry, and my wife was going to die. I don't know, but I did have that fear. I do remember during that birth, there was a lot of blood on the floor. Yeah, and that with coupled with that thought I was already having, there was a bit of a, a moment there where I thought, Oh God, I don't want to do this by myself type of thing, but it was all fine. It was, it was all good. All our children have been pretty sweet. When um, Amelia was born uh, the next day, she was a day old. They found the um, a murmur in her heart and it turned out she had Tetralogy of Fellow, which is deoxygenated blood mixing with the oxygenated blood in the heart. Open heart surgery at four months old, all went smooth. And I actually wasn't, so nervous about it like you can imagine uh first time parents you'd be pretty shit scared the doctor just said one thing to me like kind of offhand he said just you know i know this is a big deal for you guys first time parents your child's going under the knife open heart surgery is a scary sentence to say but he goes for us this is like taking out an appendix on a tuesday and i thought his kind of blase casualness is exactly what i wanted he, he just was just like you know this is like pulling off a band-aid for us so i know this feels like a, and i just thought man i'm sweet ellie is a wreck because you would be i made a conscious decision a very conscious decision that i was going to be a kind of like rock of just everything's cool babe everything's smooth don't worry about it yeah i didn't really give myself time to be anxious or, or worried about that Afterwards, um, it was hard for Ellie again because after the surgery, breastfeeding was out, we had to feed through a tube. That's when I felt like I was involved because we were feeding through a tube while Bub slept. Yeah. Ellie sleep, I'll do the feeding. You know, I can do all the tube feeding I need to. I knew Ellie was judging herself for not breastfeeding, but that was like you say, it's the circumstances that you're in. And we've, you know, she's a wonderful mother, an amazing mother. Yeah, she is. And, she I, is. and I have always felt like my role, and my role with Amidia was to be quite robust. Uh, Ellie would coddle her. Um, you know, she was the cotton wool baby because of the heart surgery where I was wrestling with her. Um, I, was, I was a bit too rough. Like I made her cry a couple of times because I was consciously trying to be a robust dad and not cotton wool her. And, and yeah. Is that just searching for like normality, I guess? Searching, yeah, yeah. Trying to be the, the counterbalance to Ellie's. And, and I think it, uh, I think we did a pretty good job. What I, I so I work, for people who don't know, I'm a, a family start worker. I work with families trying to build capacity for parents to be better parents, to, to I guess, avoid that Oranga Tamariki route. One of the things I find 
a, a common thread, what I call good parents. Everyone has potential to be good parents. Some people just don't have the skills or haven't been taught those skills growing up. One of the things I think I notice uh, in the thread, and I think uh, I've seen you do it, I've seen our other uh, brother-in-laws, Jimmy and Simon do it, and, and, their, and their partners, you know, uh, is reflect on their parenting. Just one, like say, you know what, I might not have got that right. Um, and I think it takes a lot, it's a big deal for parents to admit, I did something today that I'll probably next time do differently because, you know, and sometimes we do it after, it's often after the fact, but a lot of, you know, I think some parents don't even think about that. Mm. And it's that reflection that I think, you know. Well, I think it's being mature enough to have that like, um, awareness and know that if it is your first baby, hey, like we're going to do stuff that's wrong. And yeah. as long as they're all good, hey, you can look to Has anyone dropped? Has anyone dropped it yet? Nah. nah. I say yet because there's always oh, a time where you happen. turn your back and they roll off something. It's going to happen. It's just part of it. I mean, she's not off her little bouncy baby yeah. bouncer, but... Yeah, honestly, uh, I've I've tried. They're pretty unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Something my father never would have done, and I think it's a generational thing, he never would have apologized to a child, to one of his children. That was the generation of, you know, you listen to your parents, do as I say, not do as I do. I've apologized. I, I've made a conscious effort to, if I've made a mistake, I want my children to see that I've acknowledged the mistake and have apologized for it. So I've got down on eye to eye level with some of my children and said, honey, I'm sorry I did that. I was upset um, about something completely unrelated to you and I took it out on you. You didn't deserve that. My father never would have done that. Mm. Are there things like that, that that you think it's okay to, you know, it's much easier to do something like that. Like I don't feel like I was, um, I felt very strong for doing something like that. I was quite proud of myself for, for apologizing. Uh, you know, on my own terms. Is there things like that that you're more open to that your father never would have done? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I It's hard to say. Like, I don't remember Dad saying I love you, even though he probably did. Yeah. But I, it's just something that that hasn't stuck. At least, oh, well, he says it now, but, you know. Um, like, oh, And then is, is it because I'm a boy? Like, I actually don't remember... If he said, I love What about or, other affection? Hugs? Yeah, kisses? yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then sometimes, like as a kid, you're like, dang. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Cut it out. So yeah, it'll be like handshake and a hug now, yeah. but that's as adults. I, it's easier to do as adults. I think we kind of take over those, because of our generation, like, you know, the bro hugs, yeah. that kind of thing. Older men aren't really used to it but we kind of bring them into the bro hug and get and i think i think they're a little bit like oh yeah okay well yeah we can win men we can hug no, but for us all about it yeah 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 um i don't think he's ever apologized no no i don't think he's ever apologized like i've been kicked out of home um got a scar there um i don't remember him apologizing for that and i guess is that something that i'll do yeah i mean i, I reflect a lot and and kind of know when I'm in the wrong. I guess the other thing is knowing that you've done wrong and manning up and yeah. and saying, oh, hey, my bad. That, that's, a, that's an important thing I want my uh, all my children to kind of, is the, yeah. to, to, to own up to that. I to, guess it's, yeah. it's easy to do with like adult to adult. Yeah. But then I guess it's that, uh, that thought like, oh, you know, you're my child. I can do this sort yeah. of stuff. I'll take that on board. Like uh, I haven't actually thought about that because... I don't plan on yeah. doing do, that sort of stuff. 
Um, we were talking a bit before about kind of like toxic masculinity, being Māori fathers. Um, you know, I kind of grew up in mean, Monster Warriors was the big, uh, you know, I was 13 when it came out of the movies. It was a big deal. There was this whole push on, you had your Michael Laws talking about the warrior gene, why we beat children, being Māori and things like that. Uh, did you have that, um, I guess, negative self-image of stereotype of being Māori or... Do you think it will ever weighed on you? Maybe not consciously, but... No, I mean, like, I don't really... I knew who I was, but I didn't know I was Māori until I was kind of like 13 or 14 when you start getting exposed to other... Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I grew up in a majority uh, Pākehā neighbourhood. There might have been like four or five other Māori kids in like my year. Um, and it wasn't really until I went to... started going to school in the city. So we had, you know, I was exposed to Māori, Pacifica... Uh, Korean, like you know, yeah. In the end, there was just a, a lot of different things, and it kind of wasn't till then till I realised like, who am I, and and and, and then mum's like, oh, you know, you're Maori, and I knew that I was like from like Te Whakatoi, yeah, yeah. All, all these, um, you know, iwi, but I didn't realise that that was Maori, yeah. Um, till about then. Um, sorry, I've gone on a tangent. I forgot where I was even going. Um. Well, what was, did you, I mean, I, I definitely had moments of growing up, uh, I didn't want to be Māori. I'd rather, it would be way easier if I was white. Um, I had a, I guess, I believed the negative stereotypes that we were uh, lazy, dirty, um, dumb. Um, I, even I was in like a, a, kind of like the top class at school and I totally equated that to having a Pākehā mother. Oh, for real? You know, things like that. That was my negative. My father and my father had a lot of chips on his shoulders too about being Māori in a Pākehā world. Uh, anyone who ever talks about my father, uh, he was always, and this is my biggest impression, was super well-dressed. Even when he was doing, so when, when I was growing up, when I was very young, he was kind of like a, a supervisor manager at the Winstones aggregate. Then he became a courier, but even as a courier, he was well-dressed. He had like a dress shorts on with the, the knee-high socks and the garter, always combed his hair. I know now, because I have the same chips on my shoulders, that was his way of not being a dirty, lazy Māori. Mm. That was the impression that he, maybe that's a strong, dirty, lazy is a harsh word, and maybe he didn't even reflect on it. But my wife always gives me a hard time, like, why are there so many clothes in the wash? Why are you having a second shower today? And I'm like, you know why. Because I cannot go out in public. I cannot have one person go, oh, that's a bit of an off smell or anything like that. And I would feel like they're going to put that in the Māori category and I have to set this example. But those are my chips. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I guess I'm lucky that I haven't really come across that. In fact, I was kind of the opposite in that I was like proud to be Māori. In my head, I was proud. Like I, I, I you know, had the rhetoric that, you know, yeah, you know, I'm proud as to be Maori, mana whenua, and all that stuff. But yeah. there's still there's still that that colonization that creeps in and goes, you are lesser than. Yeah, I think you still think about it, but then at the end of the day, I'm still like, fuck him. Yeah, I don't care. Um, we were here before you fellas. We'll be well, here. we'll be here a lot. And, and it's not even aimed at anyone. It's more, yeah. you know, that kind of that's what happens when you have a system built on it. We could, we could go on to that forever. It's, I feel like it's going to be very easy in your household because of Lizzie's, uh, I guess, journey or buy-in to the Māori dim that she's discovering in her life kind of thing. Um, 
he was definitely going to be uh, like going to be involved with culture and tikanga. You just, I just know that. Yeah, yeah. She's the. Um, I said it on my like Instagram before. It's like she's going to be the change for the finals. So yeah. Like, uh, the nearest kohanga for her is uh, in Albany, I think, which is a good 20, 30 minute drive. But well, I'll, I'll you guys are doing it. Oh well, need to talk to Lizzie about it. But yeah, we'll take her there. Well, I'm hoping to. Yeah. Um, Lizzie's looking at doing Takuita, um, I guess to start bringing that into our, our uh, party. But um, I think like some of the stuff that I've noticed here on like Tikanga is, is how, um, I don't know, hats on the table, um, like tea towels with, with clothes, stuff like that. Yeah, stuff yeah. that I've tried to like separate out because it's little things that... Um, not that I can call the ball any or any like sort of jazz like that, but how you know, um, trying to uphold some level of tikang in this fight, yeah, yeah, um, you know, shoes off, all that sort of jazz. It's little things, and I'm hoping that that's kind of like the base that we can build on. Um, it's funny you say here is the, the change in your whanau because Lizzie's the change in their whanau, yeah. So Ellie's signed up for I think one of the either Stacey Morrison or Scott, Scotty Morrison's, you know. Um, Tereo course it's like a two day thing on Tikanga those sort of things she never would have done that um, but Lizzie her sister's doing it mm. and then Julia's um, started doing it over lockdown and things like that and I can see Lizzie's been the change I think for this family because Simon is very much interest, interested in that connection um, with his with him, not just with Māori I mean living in Australia he, he is um, he loves the indigenous people over there he's always he's been adopted and has his um, indigenous mother but yeah, Lizzie's that change with that family. So, you know, he was always going to be involved. And I and I actually, as, uh, you know, as Lizzie is an auntie to my children, I feel like we rely on Lizzie as well for our children. And mm. I know Lizzie's going to, going to um, kind of, you know, I got a feeling there'll be a wider practice amongst the cousins <laughs> at some stage in their life, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's got a good voice. Lizzie? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, low key. Oh man, I sit there and hear her sing someone who's like, oh, yeah. I don't think I've ever, oh, yeah. heard, I don't think I've ever heard a stricket sing well. It'd be funny because they're drunk normally. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, have you know we're talking about negatives a bit? Have you had any? Uh, I think they called, and we might have talked about this when you guys you know were expecting. But have you had any um, morbid fantasies? Is that the things when like you dream about your baby dying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm, no, but I do like wake up in the night and then I guess panic sometimes and go like check on her to make sure that she hasn't have you somehow sh- tricked herself. Have, have you shook her to make sure she moves or reacts? Oh no, no. You know, she's, you can, a, she's, she's a pretty a heavy, good baby. She's a heavy breather. You can, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Then sometimes I, I've actually shook like gone move. Okay, cool. They're awake. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're alive. I do that with Louis, our dog. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Now the morbid fantasies thing, they don't stop. You're just constantly imagining the worst things that can happen to your children. It's I read about it and it's a it's a you know biological thing that makes you keep your children safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty buzzy. But it's a pretty messed up part of parenting. Yeah, and I guess as technology evolves, like the fantasies just you know, back in the day would have been like, Oh, my baby's gonna get crushed by like a a, a horse and wagon. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. And now it's like some Final Fantasy shit. Yeah, 
Oh, final, final destination. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you're, they're going to choke, they're going to turn purple, whatever, fall off something. Mm. It happens all the time. Um, I think we're, we've had a pretty good convo. Yeah, I think we've covered a lot of bases and talked about a lot of things. I'm sure Lizzie's going to criticize us once she's listened to this and say, yeah, yeah man, cut this, cut yeah. that. But, you know, we really want this to be raw, uncut. Exactly. It's all the bros talking. Um, and I think I think we could have gotten deeper into anything we've just spoken about, the from the maori dim to the health side of things to our roles as fathers, especially during pregnancy. Mm. Um, yeah. I think one of the things is just that we don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. Like as soon as baby comes out, we don't know anything. No. And it's a grown experience and it's not just a grown experience as she grows. It's like you're doing that own self-development and learning, um, you know, that internal growth as well. Um, so it's, it's all good. It's all good. I think we leave it on that. I think it's a real nice sentiment. We don't know everything and it is growth. And it's evolved. It evolves. Like I say, I'm in, I'm into kid number four, um, and each child gets parents a little bit differently for their needs and to what they need. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's you can't have that one stop or you know, that one one parenting style for for every yep. every child you have. Um, it'll just end up being the same. Exactly. Yeah, I think that that would be a really good thing. I think to leave it on is we don't know all the answers. But reflecting on it, thinking about it, that's all you can do. Yeah. So what are your kind of three key takeaways? Um, oh, I, I really, I mean, I've got to stick with that one. We don't know all the answers, but, and reflecting is, is a big part of parenting. Debriefing with your partner too? Yeah. I, I, if, you, if, you, if someone is magically listening to this, I don't know where and why, but... Um, congratulations! If congratulations! Yeah, 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 yeah. If you got this far, if you're still stuck with us, but um, yeah, discussions with your partner about parenting, about what your plan is. I recommend parenting courses for anybody in any circumstance, regardless of your of your wealth or poverty or uh, the way you were brought. I recommend parenting courses for anyone. There's some really cool ones out there that are fun. You had you can do them with your kids definitely. Um, what about you? What do you take away from it? Well, I think it's just okay to not know everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, being reflective, but then also in instances where you um, don't know what to do, just ask. Ask for help. Find help. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we have a thing. I well. think our families are pretty, like, we're a very talkative family. You know, there's no secrets between the sisters. Yeah. Um, I think we all, you know, even, uh, this is probably the most we've ever spoken. Yeah. Yeah, I had to get paid to speak to you. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, to be fair, it's hard yeah. to get a mouth. Yeah, yeah it get is. A, get a um, yeah. word in with, uh, with the strickets. With the strickets, absolutely. Um, I concur. Yeah, I mean, it's been good just to open up. Uh, and I guess the other thing is just talk to your mate. Like, I speak to my mates that are fathers quite yeah. Well, not a lot, but just a few times. Hey, bro, how's this? Like, what did you guys do? Um, my my colleagues and I talk a bit because I, I guess it's our job. Yeah. But we do we do this and and often we're discovering something new, and saying you know how I was going to do that last week, well I'm not going to do that anymore because I just learned this. So. Mm. Yeah. Do just do whatever works for you guys. Yeah. Um, first is best. Well, it's not bullshit, but. Yeah, and just do what works for you. You got to do what works for you. And no drinks or alcohol is the only safe bet. No <laughs> risk. Sure. Yeah. Um. If we, I think we should wrap it up because I think there's some sport uh, that we can watch. Yeah, yeah. 
very soon. I've got some wings I'm about to cook because I feel like we've earned them as as men discussing important issues. Uh, should I cook some wings and watch some sport? Yeah, bro. UFC, uh, what is it, 253? Arasanya Costa. Let's go. Kakite. Kakite. This is my Ikuruwaka. Stories of Habutana. This podcast was brought to you by Hapai Tahawoda. 